Hello beloved and welcome to our weekly Bible study and this week we are looking at the baptism and the sealing of the Holy Spirit. We're still busy with our series on the Holy Spirit and we're going to look at the baptism and the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And This is part one of the baptism and the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Now before we continue let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father it's such a privilege to come to you. Thank you so much for your word that is so clear and thank you that we can learn and know and gain more and more knowledge about who you are, about the Holy Spirit, the Son, uh, the Father in the triune uh, Godhead. And we thank you so much, Father, for the privilege uh, to, to study specifically with regards to the Holy Spirit. And, and in this case, about the baptism and the sealing and uh, touching on the, um, how can I say, yeah, the, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray, Father, that you will please enable us to understand your word, to take our, your word to, to heart, and then apply it to our lives, and enable me as your servant to teach your people, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Right. Now, beloved, in the New Testament, we read a lot about the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the work of the Holy Spirit is clear, and it's obvious, and it's, let's say, it's on the surface, clearly visible but at times the work of the Holy Spirit is let's say in the background let me take for example uh, I'm just going to take an example from the Old Testament even though I'm talking about New Testament now but in the Old Testament in the book of Esther for example you never hear the word God it's not written in Esther but you can see God at work in the background all the time to accomplish his purposes and his plans for Israel and it's the Holy Spirit that was at work behind the scenes to make sure that everything worked out the way it was supposed to work out. Now, going to the New Testament, we can see in, in, the, in the life of the church, for example, in the, in the life of believers, how the Holy Spirit works in the background for the church to accomplish that which God desires of the church to accomplish. You can see the work of the Holy Spirit right through the New Testament. Uh, in the lives of believers, how the Holy Spirit inspired the disciples, for example, or the writers of the Bible to write the Bible. Uh, that is something that the Holy Spirit does or did, but it, it was done in the background. How do we know it's the Holy Spirit? It's when we read the passages of Scripture, when we read the, the, the epistles, when we read the Gospels, when, when we read the, the New Testament, the apocalyptical literature, for example, in the book of Revelation, if we read it, uh, James, more of, of uh, wisdom literature, when we read those, the, the different um, Bible books, then we see but there is a supernatural author behind this. Even though it was the normal people that wrote, it was the Holy Spirit that worked behind the scenes. Alright, so it is so important for us to acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit when it comes to, um, how can I say, when we look at the New Testament, if we look at the Old Testament, if we look at what happened within the church, if we saw what happened in the lives of believers, uh, then we can see the Holy Spirit at work. And, and by the way, the Holy Spirit was not just at work in the lives of believers, but also in the life of non-believers. Now, it is sad, and, and I, I need to emphasize this, it's really sad that there are many churches, we can actually say denominations, who do not agree with each other on the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, unfortunately, the, the reality is 
that many professing believers are divided uh, about the Holy Spirit. Just like we have division on, on, on how God saves, where there are people who says, no, God has given us free will so that we can uh, make uh, choose Christ. We can choose to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Or um, how can I say? Or then you get the other side, where it says that no, no, God is sovereign in salvation, and that God is the one who gives the rebirth. And when God gives the rebirth and He enlightens that person, that person is then able, because there is something has happened from away from him or herself. Uh, that the Holy Spirit regenerated that person and because of that, that person is able to believe and they receive even that the, the faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they receive it as a gift from God. God gives it to them and that's why they can believe. But then there are people that says, no, 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 the gospel is heard and because the gospel is heard, somebody can then choose whether they accept the gospel or whether they reject the gospel. Now, beloved, I am of the opinion, and uh, Spurgeon said it many years ago, he says, when we talk about God's sovereignty in salvation and man's responsibility in salvation, for example, what we have to say is that God is sovereign in salvation. Bible clearly teaches it. It is the Holy Spirit who basically enlightens the soul, enlightens the person, uh, brings that person to the knowledge of the truth that shows the person how sinful they really are. And it is also the Holy Spirit who regenerates that that sinner okay and when that sinner is regenerated because he is or she is dead in their trespasses and sins when the holy spirit regenerates that believer then and only then can that believer see him or herself how sinful they are in the sight of a holy god and then god gives them the faith to be able to believe that's God's sovereignty and salvation. So before the foundation of the earth, in Christ, we have been elected already. We have been chosen by God to, to come to salvation through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Now, what is man's responsibility? Man's responsibility is to repent and believe the gospel. So when the gospel call comes and a person hears the gospel... And in the gospel call, it, it explains who Jesus Christ is and what he came to do for us and tells us that we are sinners that needs to um, confess our sin and uh, receive forgiveness of our sin. And then we have to turn by faith to Jesus Christ and trust in him alone unto salvation. Then that's our responsibility. That is what we are supposed to do. So when anybody goes to hell at the end of the day, they will not be able to say, oh, you know what, it's because I haven't been elected. No, that's not true. The reason why somebody goes to hell is because they did not, how can I say, um, take up the responsibility to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the sinner has to do. When the sinner hears the gospel, that sinner has to repent of their sin. Nah, they have to, well, actually confess their sin confess that they are sinners, they repent of their sin, which means turn away from their sin and turn to Christ and trust in Him alone unto salvation, unto the end. Th that's basically what it is. And it's these two lines, and this is what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said that there are two lines, it's like two railway lines that runs this side of eternity, and they never ever touch or they never meet, but in heaven they meet. That's where we see how the sovereignty of God and salvation and 
the responsibility of people to repent and and believe how those two come together but this side of heaven we are going to struggle with it and we can see it so with the work of the holy spirit exactly the same thing when you look at different churches and the way they they interpret the work of the holy spirit and what they they say the holy spirit does and what the spirit doesn't do there are major differences and it's unfortunate it's really really unfortunate i mean it's sad because it is the work of the holy spirit to unite the church, isn't it? In Ephesians, when I preached on Ephesians, and I'm still busy, but in Ephesians we saw very, very clearly that it is the work of the Holy Spirit to unite the church. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings together um, Gentiles, uh, the unsaved, as well as Jews, into the one people of God, into the body of Christ, and He unites us and when the Holy Spirit unites us, He does a magnificent job in uniting us. But the problem is, let's say you look at the church or you look at churches. Now, we know that believers make up the church. Now, the church is people. It's not like, um, how can I say, the building or whatever. But let's talk about the church and you'll understand that I'm, I'm saying when I say the church, I'm talking about local congregations. Now, I'm talking about a gathering of a group of people for now that's that's how i'm going to define it now uh, if there's a clear division within a church like we had in the corinthians for example the one was for cephas and the other one was for Paulus, and the other one was for christ and so on uh, when there's that kind of division within the church then it's either our sinful nature at work or it's the devil it is definitely not the holy spirit because the holy spirit if we are how can I say spirit-filled and we live spirit-filled lives, then we will live in unity with one another. We might disagree on smaller issues, smaller details within the scripture, but on the major issues in scripture, we will not be divided. All right, so if there's clear division, it's either the work of our sinful nature, which means it's a, let's call it a self-centered uh holding on to a certain doctrine maybe that I, I was taught by somebody at some other time but it's not biblical or it's the devil deceiving and obviously the way that the devil deceives we know is he deceives through false apostles, false preachers, false teachers false um, prophets and that kind of thing Okay. now I believe that it is at times our sinful nature that causes us to believe things or to do things which doesn't please God and and when that happens and we find out but ooh, what I'm what I'm doing or what I'm thinking or what I believe is wrong and and I, I get this let's call it as a revelation from the word now as I read the Bible I say wow or I listen to a teaching of someone and I come to that realization wow what I've been believing about a certain thing has been wrong then what should we do as believers what should we do as citizens of the kingdom of God we need to turn to the head of the church we need to turn to our king of the kingdom of God and we need to confess our sin and say I am sorry Lord I'm sorry that I misinterpreted it for for so long but praise you thank you I, I really um, from the bottom of my heart thank you that through your Holy Spirit, you have now revealed to me what the truth is, and then we start living by that truth. You see, 
it, it is a reality that our sinful nature can cause us to do things and believe things that are not pleasing to God, that are not biblical. But the devil can also deceive us to do things or to believe things that doesn't please God. And, and there's a passage of scripture that is so clear about it. And it was when the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter to them. He was talking to them about false apostles that came into the Corinthian church. The Corinthian believers just accepted it. They listened to these uh, false apostles who basically came in and distorted three major things within the Christian faith. Three major things that the Corinthian believers were supposed to to, to take to heart and, and receive by, by faith and hold on to with everything that is in them because it is um, truth that, that came to them. Let's just quickly read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. It says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. Then Paul says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that is Jesus Christ. Now, so he basically um, betrothed them to one husband, that they would be married to one husband, that they will have one husband for life. Uh, and then he continues to say that I may present you as a chaste virgin in Christ. Verse 3, But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Verse 4, For if he who comes, talking about the false apostles, preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or receive a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. So the Apostle Paul is disappointed in the believers in Corinth because they basically, how can I say, um, there's another Jesus that is being preached to them. They take it. And they, th this, this, these false apostles comes and says, you can receive a different spirit. Obviously, they won't come and say, listen, we want to present to you a different spirit. No. In their teachings, they're actually presenting a different spirit, the spirit that is not the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then Paul says, but you receive it. So he's disappointed in the uh, Corinthian believers because he wants them to be a chaste virgin that he presents to Jesus Christ. Okay, And then when they uh, are presented with a different gospel, then the, the Corinthian believers just accept it because these false apostles, they basically, how can I say, became angels of light. They became um, like bearers of, of news, but it was wrong. It was false doctrine. Okay, so the first thing that was under attack now in the church of Corinth was Jesus Christ himself. He was under attack. And these false apostles were preaching another Jesus that, uh, than the Jesus that they received. Now, or let's say that they, they were revealed, uh, that was revealed to them by the apostle Paul himself. Now we have examples. I've shared it, be I shared it with you before, but let's just recap quickly. We have, in accordance to Islam, for example, they say that Jesus was just a prophet. Okay, we know that's not true. Even though Jesus was definitely the prophet, no, he was the prophet, he was the priest, he was the king, and he's going to still be the king in the sense of physically ruling from Israel. 
from Jerusalem. Jesus Christ uh, is not just a prophet. He is the God man on this earth. He's the second person of the Trinity. And so I can go on. So, but according to Islam, Jesus is just a prophet. That's a downplaying of Jesus. So if you accept the Jesus of Islam, that means that you are accepting Jesus as just being a prophet. But that's not the revelation of the scripture. So you cannot accept that. You have to reject the Jesus of Islam. According to the Jehovah's Witnesses, Jesus was created by Jehovah as the archangel Michael before the physical world existed. Now, if Jesus Christ, as revealed to us in Scripture, uh, was it, uh, created by Jehovah as the archangel Michael, then he is much less than what God revealed to us, what the Holy Spirit revealed to us in Scripture. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Scriptures, and he revealed those things about Jesus Christ that is important for us to, to know so that we can know the biblical Jesus. Now, according to Mormons, and this is a teaching that was accepted also by the Word of Faith movement, yeah? uh, we will find Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn and Creflo Dollar and uh, Jesse Duplantis and um, many different uh, preachers that are part of the, or they accept the Word of Faith teachings, the prosperity uh, teachings, those kind of things. But even the, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, they believe that Jesus Christ was Lucifer's older brother. He was like a spiritual brother of Satan. Now, beloved, that's not even close to being true. The Bible never ever nowhere says that Jesus was Lucifer's older brother. Jesus wasn't a isn't a created person. He's not a created being. Jesus is the eternal God. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's God the Son. Right, so but that's what the Mormons believe. They believe that Jesus Christ is Lucifer's older brother. And and the Word of Faith movement take it even further. They say that Jesus had to be born again. Okay? Where we say, How can how can God the Son be born again? No, he was born uh, in this into this world as a human being, that's for sure. But he was the God man. He didn't have to be born again. Right? Because he's the sinless one. Then according to the Catholics, for example, Jesus is, in, in the Catholic Mass, you know, when they have it on Sunday, that's the communion that we talk about. Now, if, if in, in that wafer, they call it the Eucharist, they say that that Eucharist is the physical body of Jesus Christ every time that they partake of Mass. So the, the priest would basically bless that Eucharist and then it would turn into the body of Christ. What you see is you see the wafer, you see the Eucharist, but in reality that Eucharist is now the body of Christ, the physical body of Christ. And then the the uh, wine that you partake of is the actual physical blood of Jesus Christ. So Catholics, when they partake of Mass now or communion, their communion, then they partake of the physical body of Jesus Christ and the physical blood of Jesus Christ. It's called transubstantiation. Okay, and, and that has been rejected by the, the reformers from the beginning. Right, they, they said, nope, that's not, that's not what, what communion is all about. But I mean, so Jesus Christ, in the eyes, even though they've got amazing teachings about who Jesus is, and, and they clarify a lot of things that is in the scripture. The problem is, when it comes to communion, 
Jesus Christ is not the the second person of the Trinity sitting at the right hand of the Father preparing a place for us and he will return to come and take us home. That's not what Jesus is seen as. No, Jesus Christ becomes, or how can I say, he, yeah, he, he, he becomes the Eucharist every Mass and he, his blood is shed every Mass. That, that is so unbiblical, that's so wrong. But these are different Jesuses. Okay? There are many today who call themselves Jesus. And they call themselves uh, messiahs or they call themselves saviors of the world or of a certain group of people. Beloved, when Jesus is presented and it does not look exactly like the Jesus as revealed in the Bible, it is another Jesus. And that other Jesus cannot save. It's only the Jesus of the Bible, the one that is revealed to us in the Bible that can save. That's why we, we are encouraged to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we need to, to grow in our understanding of what His salvation means for us. But we also need to grow in the knowledge of who He is. Because it's important. Because the Jesus that you believe in and that you trust for salvation, if it's another Jesus, then that Jesus cannot save you. You have to make sure that you believe in the right Jesus. Okay? Now, Jesus said that he is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. And in saying those words, Jesus actually told us that he is exclusive to salvation. It is only the Jesus of the Bible that can save. So to get Jesus wrong is like someone who basically starts following a man. Let's say you walk down the road and there's somebody in front of you and that person looks like your father. Let's say it's a small child and that person looks like his father or her father and that person just starts following th this man. But unfortunately, the person is not. And when the time arrives for him to, to how can I say, to receive, receive his inheritance, because he's now followed this person, he calls this person father or dad and all these kind of things, it is found that the person's DNA is not the same as this man that he or she followed. So you can't get the inheritance. You can't get the inheritance of the family because you haven't got the family's DNA. Okay? And the same thing, it is through faith in the Jesus Christ revealed to us in the scriptures alone that we are saved. It's kind of we have to, we got to have his DNA for us to be saved. We cannot just follow any Jesus and then say we're going to be saved. No, we got to follow the right Jesus and we got to believe in the right Jesus and we got to identify with the right Jesus as being the head of the church and we need to follow the right Jesus, the king of the kingdom. Okay? Now, if we have faith in another Jesus, we cannot be saved because this other Jesus cannot save. But then second, the Holy Spirit was also under attack in the in the Catholic Church, ah, in the Corinthian Church, sorry. Um, because the false apostles basically were they were instrumental in the Corinth in the Corinthian believers opening up themselves to receive this different kind of spirit, you know, to the one that they received when they got saved. It reminds me of congregations where they say that they invite the Spirit into the service. You know, they say, come Holy Spirit, come into the service and, and come and take your um, lawful place and all these kind of things. Uh, yo. Or congregations where the preacher will command the Holy Spirit na, to come upon per, on, on a person. 
Spirit, fill this person now. I put fire on you and all kinds of things like that. Or congregations where the Holy Spirit or a spirit is seen by the preacher and then coming into the into the building either as a light or as smoke or as you know something like that oh i see the spirit coming in and he's moving from 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 pew to pew and he's touching people's lives and all those kind of things um or you can have congregations where people are encouraged to be baptized in the holy spirit so they can speak in tongues as proof that they've been baptized by the spirit these are all things that you can see, but the problem is, and, and I, I mentioned it, that the Bible is clear. Now, when it speaks about the Holy Spirit, that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, every believer gets indwelt by the Holy Spirit at the moment of regeneration. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't jump in and out of our lives. You know, so I go into a church, and then when the preacher invites the Holy Spirit, then uh, it's something outside of me that comes in or when he says Holy Spirit come upon me and he prays that the Holy Spirit comes upon me no I've got the indwelling Holy Spirit living in me that actually um, how can I say seals me as his own right but the Holy Spirit doesn't jump in and out in and out he, he comes and dwells within us and he, he lives within us and the baptism by the Holy Spirit is a once-off occurrence. Okay? When we are regenerated, beloved, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. That's the church. And we are baptized into the family of God. Now, the filling of the Holy Spirit is a continuous thing. You know, and it, it, it can basically happen more than once. In fact, we are instructed by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, where he says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Uh, in the previous verse, he says, we need to know what the will of God is, and the will of God is for us to be filled with the Spirit. You see, be believers are instructed in verse 15 of Ephesians 5 to, to walk or to live correctly nah? to live accurately consistently or let's say perfectly as, as directed by the word of God so Paul is saying that believers should be filled and continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit and it means as John MacArthur beautifully explains that believers should continually live under the influence of the Holy Spirit by consciously allowing the Word of God to control him or herself. Okay, that's how I know that I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm living under the influence of the Holy Spirit in as much as I do what God's Word tells me to do. That's basically what it boils down to. Now, beloved, remember that the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the Bible to write it. Yeah? It's the Holy Spirit that inspired them. And it, it, it seems that the Holy Spirit will always lead believers to, to, to the Word of God, to guide them on their spiritual journey. He enables believers to apply the Word of God to every aspect of their lives. And, and then by living the Word, believers are living spirit-filled lives to the glory of God. So, beloved, to be filled with the Holy Spirit basically means that the believer lives a life which are subject to the Holy Spirit controlled by the Holy Spirit and in accordance with the Word of God.
so we've basically seen first of all that Jesus Christ was under attack now in the Corinthian church secondly that the Holy Spirit was under attack and then thirdly let's let's just finish this one the gospel was also under attack and what these false apostles were doing they were instrumental in the hands of the devil uh, to get the the Corinthian believers to open up themselves to receive a different gospel now remember when we go back to the first letter of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 to 4 Paul basically explains the gospel to them and these false apostles then came along and they were preaching a different gospel and this different gospel cannot save just like another Jesus cannot save and when you've received another spirit you cannot be saved so this different gospel cannot save because it has another Jesus in it and another spirit in it okay there's only one Jesus who can save that's Jesus of Nazareth born in Bethlehem Jesus is God in the flesh he's the man God he's fully God fully man at the same time he was arrested was crucified he died was buried and rose again on the third day and he ascended to heaven to prepare a place for us and he will return um, the same way that he ascended and he will come and gather us unto himself and we will be with him forever and ever now beloved when we study the Holy Spirit it becomes clear that one of the things which professing believers disagree on when we look at the work of the Holy Spirit is the baptism in the Holy Spirit and God willing next time we're going to talk about that but remember there is another Holy Spirit that is presented in the world today well in the church today or in congregations denominations today that is another spirit that cannot save that's why we need to know who the Holy Spirit is we need to understand who this Holy Spirit is so that at the end of the day we can um, how can I say have the Holy the biblical Holy Spirit leading and guiding us to the glory of God let's pray Heavenly Father thank you so much for your word thank you that we can read it thank you that we can study it thank you that we can learn from it and I pray that you will enable us to to receive that which is true and reject that which is not true so at the end of the day you may be glorified in in and through our lives this we pray in Jesus name amen thank you very much for listening beloved may the Lord bless you and keep you may his face shine upon you and may may he give you his peace God willing until next time bye-bye